It's good to, to be here again this week, and I'm just getting to know um, a number of you, so please forgive me if I forget your name. I'll try my best to remember it. Occasionally, I forget my own kids' names and um, call them by the wrong name, uh, but it's just one of those things. I, I will get it. Believe you me, I will get it. Um, it's been a strange week, hasn't it? Um, Obviously, last Monday we seen the funeral, but we seen something else that happened, and it happened not last uh, Monday during the Queen's funeral, nor um, even next year, probably when the coronation will be, but it happened, and this is what I want to share on, not about the Queen, but about identity, and immediately the queen died. Something had to die for the next part of the equation to happen because then the Prince of Wales became King Charles. Nothing that he did made that happen. Only the death of something that made it happen. Immediately then his son became the heir to the throne. And, you know, that's exactly, you know, property that the Prince of Wales, or formerly the Prince of Wales, King Charles, didn't own, he suddenly owned. Access to various things that he didn't have suddenly became his authority to measure over the government in, in that prime ministers have to come to him. And, and various things like that have to happen just simply as a result of a death that happened. And that's exactly the same with us. Because of a death that happened, we have now access to things that we could never, not because, you know, I'm really fed up with Christians that seem to think that the answer to finding everything that God has for them is to try harder. You never get it by trying harder. Charles wouldn't have got it by trying harder. He got it because something within him and his environment died. He died to becoming the Prince of Wales and he became alive to becoming what his inheritance was. And that's exactly, and this morning, what I want to share with you and uh, hopefully um, it'll come through this here. I'm going to race through it because there's quite a bit to, uh, to share and to say. But first of all, let me say this here. Worship was brilliant again this morning. I mean, literally just, it's, it's so much easier when you're ushered into the presence of Jesus. And we forgive you for doing the announcements because you <laughs> did pray for me beforehand anyway. So praise God. Uh, but God is good, isn't he? I used to say this to the folk that carried off. I say, God is good, and you say all the time. Okay? God is good. And we're good. Never. <laughs> I, well, I tell you what they said, because I, I said to them, be honest now, and they all said, some of the time. Okay. So God is good. And we're good. <laughs> Praise God. Let me... Isaiah 61, okay, here we go. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from um, darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Is that good for what has come forward? That, that he, he provides for those who grieve. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that, they ha that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. What an incredible passage of scripture. Do you know what that is? That's an identity statement. That's an identity statement. When, when Jesus quoted this in Luke 4, this is what he said, or this is what he inferred. Here it is. Listen to it. This is who I am. You might think that I'm the son of Joseph. You might think that I'm just a, a carpenter. But this is who I am. This is who I am. This is how I'm known in heaven. Do you know, you need to, to get a glimpse of who you are, of, of what you are known for in heaven. So, Jesus was saying three things. He was saying this here. This is who I am. This is how I'm known in heaven. And this is what I'm here on earth for. What an incredible. And, and he proclaimed two things after that. He proclaimed this, the favor of the Lord. The Lord is actually seeking to train each one of us to live from a place of expectancy in his goodness, to empower us to stand in that favor no matter what else is occurring. So every situation is always an invitation. Listen, every situation is an invitation. Every circumstance we encounter is our invitation for God to do something in our lives. And the worse the situation, listen to this, the worse, you know, don't be a fair weather Christian. Recognize when stuff happens, God is working. And he'll work it out. Listen, listen, the worse the situation, the more we can receive from heaven. In verse seven, this is what it says. There is a double portion for your worst day. When your back is against the wall, there is a double portion reserved for you on that day. Like, your, like what happened here. I, when I came in here first, I'd never been here until a few weeks ago. And, and when I came in here, I thought to myself, isn't this a brilliant place? 
Isn't this fantastic? And it just, do you know, it's a place that you could get so incredibly comfortable in. You know, thank you, God, we've arrived. And then a wee notification comes through, your lease is about to expire. Bad. Wow. I mean, we're just really getting comfortable. We're starting to see the place filled up. People are starting to know where we are. Yes, it's upstairs and it's not brilliant. Hi, but it's good. The presence of God is here and everything's great. But you know something? God doesn't like us comfortable. And I've seen the other place that God has provided for you. And boy, it is incredible. You know, I just thought, you know, God does not look at you And according to who you are now, give you a destiny. He doesn't. That destiny that God has for you individually and for this church under Pastor Thomas is much bigger than what you are now and what this church is. I, I don't know about you. I, I, my grandkids were just getting sorted out. Some of them, it's their first day at school, so it was a couple of weeks ago. And I remember back to my first day at school. And you're saying, boy, you must have a good memory. <laughs> but I can remember it. Do you know why? Because it was horrific. <laughs> it was. I just did not feel comfortable. I did, you know, the house was comfortable. I did not feel comfortable getting... And you know what was the worst? And you've got to realise, I was brought up at a time where money wasn't plentiful. So although I had a brand new uniform, it was always bought at least one size bigger than what I was. It was. I mean the shoes. Okay, you take... Now, don't take that size. So don't, don't, don't. But, but it was always a bigger size than what your feet were. And they stuffed, my mother stuffed tissue or something into the toes to make it fit so that it didn't walk out of them. The shirt, I mean, you could put your fist down the collar of your shirt. And, and, and the sleeves were turned up. And only the fact that it was short trousers anyway, they would have had to get turned up as well. And, and, do you know, I, I can remember complaining and I can remember my mum saying to me, son, grow. <laughs> Don't complain, just grow. And it was, you know, and they were thinking, I'm, I'm not going to have to go out and buy another uniform for you in six months or a year. I want this to last you two years. And I feel that God is just saying to the church now, you know, don't be intimidated by what you are going to go into. Grow. Don't complain that, well, this isn't as comfortable. And, and hey, hey, I, there's going to be, we're not going to have the intimacy that we have here. And what God says, grow. I know what you're capable of. 
I give you that identity. And even though it seems too big for you, I didn't make it to fit who you are now. I've made it to fit who you will be. And, and those are things that we've got. So that, so that God says, with the difficulty, you know, I, I guarantee you, well, I, I can't guarantee you it. I could guarantee if it was me that if this lease had five years to run, I would try and squeeze it out to five years. God makes us uncomfortable to get us into where he wants us to be. And that goes for us as a, as a church and it goes for us as individuals. Every one of us in this room all have a story to tell. Every one of you all have a story to tell and we're all on a journey. Every one of us is part of a story. And there are some people in this room and if your life was a film about you, you wouldn't even have the starring role in it. If it was about you, you wouldn't even have the starring role in it because there are other people that are directing you, that are having a greater influence on you than what God is and ask back to the destiny that he has for you. You need to ensure that, that the film that God is running right now about you, you are front and center of it. And he is front and center of it. Someone else is playing a stronger role in your story than you are. And if we're not careful, we can allow others to dominate our story. God doesn't want that. But it's comfortable. You might think, and I feel that I'm speaking to, to, to some of you this morning, that life has just drifted. And, and you feel that, you know, well, God has my destiny sorted, and I'll just, I'll not, you know, you, you've got to step into it. You've got to put him Front and center. The other thing is the Holy Spirit will want you to start thinking about the next chapter in your life. What would you like the next chapter to be about? What is it that you want your life to manifest next year? Next month? Go out of this chapter well so you don't have to repeat it. Recognize this. Even adversity is preparation for greatness. Don't run away from the issues and the problems. Every one of us is on a journey. And God knows exactly what is down that road you're traveling on. And don't forget that goodness and mercy. I never forget that. Because my, I, I learned that psalm, Psalm 23. And I never forgot that whatever situation I was in, Goodness and mercy were following. They were following. Psalm 27 says this, verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen to that. Drink that in. It's not, it's not goodness and mercy when we die. And get to heaven. It's the goodness of God 
now. For every single one of us, now. God blesses you. It even, even, what that means is that down the road, right next to every problem, every difficulty, there is also a blessing that's waiting to come out. Don't run away from any issue. Every difficulty, there is also a blessing. There's also a provision. So many people, once they hit, and we, we, we learned that this morning for some of those testimonies, you know, that people are choosing to run away from God at the time of difficulty. They went through a grief. Why me? Why did this happen? And, you know, God just wants to do something incredibly special in their lives. And yet with all, sometimes they get, as it were, allow the bitterness of the issue. Here's a thought. What if every problem comes with a provision attached to it? What if you can't have a problem without a, pro- without a provision attached to it? The problem of this lease came with a provision attached to it. Never forget those things. The Lord is... The Lord is doing is, is he, what the Lord is doing is he's allowing this problem so you can learn to stop being negative about life. So how can a problem stop us being negative about life? Simply because of what they bring us into. We can actually start getting excited about the problems knowing there's a promise attached to it. Listen, God blesses you. Even in situations like this, and we've all experienced it, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. So next time, don't feel, how can I get back at that there? Because they're mocking me, they're doing this, they're doing that. And God, you know, with every word of mocking, when you're taking it for God, there's blessings attached to it. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that seem to be disguised in this. That was Matthew five eleven. What if God has allowed these problems to teach us about the promises and provisions to get you be- to begin to look at life from heaven's perspective and not just an earthly view so that on a difficult day, you are twice as excited as on a good day. What if we learn that our circumstances are not the problem, but our perception of the circumstances is the problem? The goodness of God is tracking us now. Goodness and mercy are following us. I can remember about 11 years ago, I just felt constrained 12 years ago that that God wanted, we had a building that we had acquired, and that building was... um, I don't know whether I've shared this the last time. If I have, please forgive me. But it's so relevant to share with regard to this. And, and we bought the building. We bought it at the peak of the property market. We, we bought it, even though we got it hugely discounted. The property that we had bought was just above the church. It was a, a, it was a hall. And, uh, and there's a bit of land with it. And uh, it was on the open market for about 940000 and we got it for 510000 We bought it off the Methodist Church. And we bought it. And I bought it. I must be honest, it wasn't a huge step of faith because property was going up 
So even if we felt we couldn't afford it, you know, the way property was going, you'll remember, that, I mean, at the end of the day, we could have sold it and made a huge profit on it. But then came the crash. And it was as if we were just almost enticed into something. And then it dropped. And I thought, God, why did you let this happen? And I felt God say to me, I didn't let it happen. I wanted it to happen. And I remember that, was this to finish me off or something? You know, what, what, was I just sort of outlasting my cell by date or something like that? And I can remember going, getting a phone call one night in the middle of the winter, and we didn't know what to do with it. In the middle of the winter, and it was somebody that lived up there, and they seen water pouring out of the front door. It was in total darkness. And it says, I think you have a problem up there. It must be a burst pipe or something. I remember going up, walking up the steps to the building, opening the door, and there was about three inches of water setting, and it was burst pipe. And I just, we were, we were just paying this mortgage for a building that was derelict, that we didn't know what to do with, all because I felt we were led into it. I'm sure David and, and uh, would, would remember that, Thomas and, and uh, Rita. But I remember opening the door and just walking through the water. I didn't go and look for boots. I just felt, well, I tell you, things can't get much worse than this here. I mean, literally, that, that was it. And walking through it, and I remember water pouring down from the tank, and I didn't even go to try and get something. To, I just walked through the water like a cold shower on a winter night, and I went to the stop valve, and I turned it off, and I looked, and I tell you this here, I even added to the water. I started to cry. <laughs> Why me, Lord? Why me? And... But something happened. Behind the problem, there was a provision. And I got fresh insight. God woke me up about a week later with regard to, on, in the middle of the night, and he said, George, use it or lose it. And I started to seek God's face. What can we use this for? And an idea came. Let's turn it into a day nursery. I'll see if we can, if we can make it into something. So we'd already spent over half a million pounds on this. And in order to make it into a day nursery, we're going to need to spend at least another quarter of a million. And this at a time when everything was going crazy. And we did. And we started with two members of staff and two babies. One of the babies was the daughter of a girl that came in with heroin addiction. And hope came into her life and she was asked, what would you like to do with your life rather than this? She was just looking for a way out. 
She always wanted to be a veterinary nurse. And an opportunity opened up for her to go to university to do a veterinary nurse. Because of her circumstances, her child care was paid for by the government. And we, as a nursery, that was our first. She was the seed. That was the first. She came into it, and we had, well, there was her and another little baby and two members of staff. And this, God, this has got to work. And today, Rita and, and David there at the back will, will, will know Thomas, who works in it now. And we have a turnover of close to three quarters of a million pounds a year. We employ 35 staff. You see, with every problem, there comes a provision. And where I just would have wanted, and there was a temptation, just sell it, take a bit of a hit, and let it go. God was saying, when he said this to me, use it or lose it, I knew that he had a purpose for it. And that purpose was, and we did, we, we walked around it, we said, grow, nursery, grow. And it did. With every problem, God provides a provision. And then finally, what time is it? Are we all right still? Yep. Not just that. If, so the two things he proclaimed over us, number one, favor of God. And number two, the vengeance of our God. That's not getting your own back through bitterness. It's vengeance against our true enemy. Anybody know who that is? Satan. You know, when he tried to taunt me about the stupidity of making a decision at the peak of the property boom and within weeks seeing that investment tumble. Vengeance came because it's now the source of finance into the kingdom. Turns it like that. Vengeance, what is vengeance? Vengeance is the anointing and capacity to attract favor into the parts of your life that aren't working at this moment in time. Let me describe it to you, and I'll not read through that because I want to skip on quickly. But it's like this here. One of, one of my elders was involved in paramilitary activity a way back. And he was an alcoholic. And God incredibly saved him, turned his life around. And some folk will, will know Rob that are here this morning. But Rob just totally turned. I mean, he was so bad in it. The only way that he could get out of it was to... They, they emigrated to South Africa and he was there for a period of time but he came back again. This is what vengeance looks like. When the enemy has you in his grip of alcoholism, of paramilitary activity, of all of those sorts of things, suddenly now, Rob's got saved and he ministers into the lives of other alcoholics to see them set free. That's what vengeance looks like. See, Satan not only 
did something happen to me that turned my life around, but I am going to go back into your territory and release others from it. As a result of you putting your hand on me, you will suffer. And you will suffer because I will also allow God to use me to bring others through. That's, that's what vengeance looks like. The way the Holy Spirit does that is by, and, and this is how the Holy Spirit does what we've just said. The way the Holy Spirit brings vengeance into our life is this here. It does that. It's by divine replacement. If you read through that again, that is, read through Isaiah 61, 1 to 7. Listen to what it is. There is a key word in that, or key two words. And here's what the two key words are. Instead of. Instead of. Listen, let me just bring them up here. Bless the Lord. Let me just read through it again. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. I listened to it. This is it. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of, that's divine replacement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. And listen to it again. He underlines it. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will receive, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So you will inherit a double portion in the Lord. Praise God. I, this is what beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, instead of shame, a double portion, instead of disgrace, joy in their inheritance. God has made provision for you against the enemy. I don't know what Maybe some of your circumstances are. Maybe you've come from hurt weakness. This is what, what it says when, when he tells us, you know, in your weakness, I am made perfect. You think that's the bit that you want to hide. That's the bit that you want to put away. And God is saying, no, that's the bit that I'm going to use. And, God, and I'm going to make a statement for it. And the Lord made that statement. He said this here, Isaiah 54. 
No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. It's called payback. Those with addictions leading others to freedom. A heritage is an allotted portion an agreed perpetual inheritance in Christ, no weapon that's fashioned against you shall prosper. We have a heritage, a divine, divine displacement, and it comes from a promise that God gave to Israel during the Exodus, and it's Exodus 23, 27. I will send my fear before you, I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Everything about our life in Christ is about turning the tables on the enemy. Therefore, when the enemy attacks us, something else is supposed to happen instead of. There's always a provision next to the problem there's always an instead next to some difficulty. There's always a way of viewing and seeing it that absolutely sets you free. And when the enemy has a purpose, the Father has another purpose instead. In place of there's an alternative that needs to occur. David knew this in Psalm 58. He says, the godly will rejoice when they see Injustice avenged. Paul says in Romans 12, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The message says this here, same portion of scripture. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Do you know, one of the things that the church, and I feel it in this place, you know, right throughout, I suppose, even through lockdown and everything else, but even going back years, the church has warned God badly. You understand that? The church has warned God badly. Jesus is the perfect image of God. What did he do? It says that when, when, he, when he went about, he went about doing good. He healed all manner of sickness. I mean, when you see Jesus working, that's the way the church should be today. Do you agree with that? You're very quiet. But that's the way that, that we're meant to be. If you want to know how the church should Perform an act today. Read the Gospels. And particularly the bits in red. And then go into the Acts of the, of the Apostles. And really it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the church. And see how that works. We have warned God badly in the church. We, we, have, we have those with addictions, those with, with 
issues, those with diseases, various diseases, we, we have replaced the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit with compassion. Now, compassion's good. Compassion's good. I'm not saying it's, it's not good. It's brilliant. It's, it's good, but there's something better. I remember a, a word, a prophetic word that, that Priscilla Reed gave to me about 20 years ago. And she said to me this here, George, and, it, and it, was, it was at a time when I was doing a ministry into the women's prison, which is just down a wee bit from Carried Off, the women's prison. I, I met some, I tell you, folk and their story. I'm, you, you know, in many ways, the women's population in Northern Ireland is less than 50, or at least it was then, less than 50 people, because the courts will do anything that they can to keep women out of prison. Usually there are complications with it, maybe children and stuff like that. And do. But I remember we, we went, uh, I, I was there and would have done visitation on a regular basis to, to the women. And we decided we would do something wanted to do something. So on Mother's Day, every woman got a bunch of flowers. And a box of chocolates. Because there was only 50 of them, so every, every, every prisoner in Northern Ireland that was a woman got that. And we just felt, Lord, so I'm not saying compassion's not good. But, but at the time we were doing that there, Priscilla Reed came. She didn't know anything about that. And she said to me, George, God has given you keys. And those keys have the ability to unlock doors and to lock doors. But he's also going to give you the wisdom to know what doors to lock or what doors to open and who to open them for. She gave me that at, that at that particular time. And I thought about it, you know, and, and I said this here, as much as it's good to give a bunch of flowers to a woman and a box of chocolates to a woman on Mother's Day, we did something similar in, for their birthdays. Right? I thought, what better would it be to go in with a key and say, you're released the price for what you did has been paid. You're released. And I, I thought that's what Jesus did. You're released from cancer. I'm going to go to the hospital and, and visit and pray. And let's be honest. You know, sometimes we pray and we're not really expecting anything. I remember reading, and now this a close, okay. I remember reading um, of a guy who was a pastor. He was a young pastor. And he went to visit a woman who was terminally ill, but she was about 90. And he went and she was in bed and she hadn't been out of bed for ages. And 
he went just as a good pastor, just to pray with her and just to do it, no expectancy. And he said to her, Doris, what would you like? And she looked at him. And she says, I want to get better. And it shook him. He says, so you want me to pray that God will heal you? Yeah, what's the point in coming? <laughs> and he put his hand on her. And he prayed for her. And she sat up. And she says, I feel I'm healed. And the young pastor looked up at this. He says, God, don't ever do that on me again. <laughs> but you know, I, I feel that God is going to give the church unexpected things. Now, this is a, an oxymoron. We've got to start expecting the unexpected. Okay? And I feel that God is speaking. You know, if you're here this morning, let's all stand, shall we? Let's stand. If you're here this morning, because this morning is all about finding your true identity. And if you're here this morning and you feel that perhaps circumstances have, to some degree, robbed you of who you believe you were born to be. If you feel that you, and let me say this here, it's dead easy to lose your identity in this world. It's dead easy to settle for second best. People have, have testified to this that they recognized they lost their identity not because they pursued something that was wrong, but because there was an easier channel to go down at the time. They tell me that there are more entrepreneurs that are come into existence as a result of being led off at work. And they made huge success of what they were. They had always had a dream, but they felt locked into a secure job that they felt it's too much. I have too many responsibilities to do what I feel I was born to do so I'd be stuck in this here. And then suddenly there's a downturn. They lose their job. They get a bit of, a bit of uh, money. And suddenly they're free to do what they always wanted to do. Because they what God has done. And I want to say to you this morning, if you feel that God, let's, let's all bow our heads just as I invite Pastor Thomas to come up, but just to, I feel that there are, there is untapped potential, so much untapped potential in the church today that I know that it's Thomas's heart to release that untapped potential into it and, and to, to see things happen in 
hearts and lives because I tell you this here, what God has to do in Journey Church down Patrick will take a full release of every single person in it finding their true destiny. So maybe a word was spoken over somebody's life and, and you, you, it didn't seem to work out. It didn't seem to happen and you just dropped that by. But I, I'm here this morning to say to you, God hasn't forgotten that promise. You might have, but he hasn't. And so whether it's a word that's been spoken over you, whether it's something, a dream that you've had, whether it's just something where you know that there's got to be more than this. I want you simply right now just to simply raise your hand. It's not an admittance that life sucks or anything like that. It's a, the reality of it is it may well be that life's pretty good, but it's not, I believe, that I'm walking in the full testimony of everything that Jesus died to give to me. And if that's you, just simply raise your hand right now. Jesus' name. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Father, we bless you. Father, we bless you. Maybe even you're here this morning and you still haven't committed your life to Christ. You know something? You don't know what you're missing. And God wants to bring you into this incredible, incredible aspect of life that instead of what you're experiencing now, God has an instead of for you. Father, for every single person that has raised their hands right now, we speak life. We speak destiny. We speak fulfillment in every aspect of where they're at. But Lord, bring them right now. I, I call forth. I call forth giftings that have lay dormant for years. Right now, in Jesus' name, I call forth Dreams that have never been experienced and where some are even thinking it was just me. No, it wasn't. God is saying, I put that there. And so we call that forth right now. We call it forth right over this whole room this morning. Isaiah 60 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So Lord, we call forth everything. Where there is sickness, health right now. Health right now. Instead of grief, joy of gladness right now right now right now right now and Lord I call forth 
giftings that are going to be needed in the weeks and months ahead in order to fill this building. Because what you are telling us this morning, both individually and corporately, is grow, church. Grow. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. We bless you.